This morning we hear Jesus denounce the scribes and praise a widow's offering from the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. It is a familiar story, it's an important story, and one that I hope will either encourage you in how it is you feel like you are living, or challenge you to step up in faith uh, in the days ahead. Let's consider uh, those things, and let's listen to the Lord as we turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. As Jesus taught, he said... Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in the long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came in and put two small copper coins, which were worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Recently, a story on the news stuck out to me. It was a story about deer collisions in North Carolina. The North Carolina Department of Transportation released that in 2017, there were more than 18,000 deer-related vehicle collisions in our state, which is a lot of deer. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at a number like that. There's a lot of people who work for the highway department who stay busy. Deer make for great job security if you are an insurance adjuster. And for some of us, deer impose a significant amount of unplanned car shopping. Yes, among those. Oh, everything is fine, except for the car shopping part. Which, if you remember the last time you went car shopping, is kind of a pain. And let me take an aside to apologize for the fact that I come from a family who sold a lot of used cars in our past. So I know a lot of those tricks, and I'm sorry about that. But if you've been, if you've been car shopping recently, it's actually remarkable what's included on a vehicle that even the preacher can afford. Lane departure warnings, blind spot warnings, backup cameras, satellite radio, speed sensitive cruise control, automatic windows and wipers and seat warmers and seat coolers and phone chargers and screens with apps. The last time I bought a car, an app was something you got at Chili's. Not on your phone or in your car. The last time I bought a brand new car, 
power windows and air conditioning were not necessarily standard equipment. You could order my old Honda without them if you wanted to. But now, it's really hard to keep the main thing the main thing because as you look at these vehicles, you ask, well, how many USB ports are there in this new car I'm going to buy? Do I really need dual climate control? I don't know, that power liftgate would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? And the blind spot detection, you know, that we drove cars for a hundred and something years without, now is pretty essential, isn't it? Three weeks ago, I had a reliable car that was totally paid for. And this week, I lost sleep over which trim packages I could or could not afford. Now, there is a point to this. And it's not just confessional, though maybe it is in part confessional. The point is, in contrast to when we live life at our best, as adults, sometimes we have a hard time keeping the main thing the main thing. Sometimes we're really good at convoluting and complicating things. And if my hankering for dual, dr- dual modes of X drive is any indication, I am among them at times. That's why at least I need to hear a story from the Gospel of Mark every once in a while. When it comes to the stories of Jesus, like these two in the Gospel of Mark, when it comes to the essence of our faith, it is in keeping the simple things simple. And that means offering our best or our all to God. No matter what offering our all means. It means having enough faith to offer it all to God or offering it all to God in the faith that God will provide. Those ones, those folks are the ones who are praised. And the ones who are not are the ones who manage to chase the wrong things, complicate the process, and show off here on earth rather than rely on faith and showing off in heaven. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus warns his disciples not to be like those scribes. Those scribes that we're all tempted, I think, to be like. I don't know if they were trying to be ruthless or corrupt. I'm sure some of them were, and I'm sure some of them weren't. But they all gave in to the temptation of status and wealth. They wore long, ornate robes so that they could be set apart. They spent their time studying and thinking and debating the particulars of the scriptures. They knew every jot and tittle. And a jot and a tittle are the markings on the Hebrew letters that let you know what word it is that's being written down. The jots and the tittles are the vowels. They knew all of the jots and tittles. But when it came time to put their faith in the right place, to rely on God helping them meet their needs, They didn't get it right. 
if, if car shopping is about scribes and widows, the scribes knew everything about USB ports and video screens, but didn't really know whether the car ran very well at all. They focused on the wrong things. And Jesus, oh Jesus, makes the hero of the story the one that we would, of course, least expect, doesn't he? The widow is the exemplar we are to follow. The widow who doesn't have very much, yet chooses to give all that she has to God. She not only put everything she had in the treasury at the temple, but in doing so, she's putting her faith in the God who promises to provide and taking her faith out of herself. She believed so much in God that she gave sacrificially through the temple or the synagogue or the church. She gave every bit she had. And and it's really hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to take a step back and, 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 and think about it because this passage is so easy to just breeze through. But, but here are the disciples and Jesus. They're sitting there across from the treasury. They're watching everybody do their thing and a lot of them are doing their thing to show off. And this poor woman, who literally doesn't have two nickels to rub together to her name, throws everything she has in the receptacle. She believed in God so much that she had no fear of giving away her last penny because in faith she knew that God would help provide. She had a deep and living faith that may have, that may have known that, that though the way she was respected or not, publicly, might not have made she was lauded. Privately, the actions that backed up her faith spoke volumes. She gave it all to God, but the scribes and the wealthy folks who threw lots of money in gave almost nothing. They were deeply concerned with what they did, how they did it, who they influenced, what they knew, how how they were looked at. But, but, But their faith, it wasn't real, it wasn't deep, it probably wasn't very alive, or it wasn't very alive based on the offering they made back to God at the temple that day. Even though they knew every jot and tittle I don't know if they believed it. And though faith is not a zero-sum game where you're an absolute winner or an absolute loser, the reality is a passage like this forces us to ask the question about ourselves as it relates to how we relate to God. Which one am I? In a devotional book I used, Josh Dubois wrote a brief devotional, a brief, brief devotional about handling what we have. It's based on Proverbs 13, and uh, some of what Danny prayed in his offertory prayer are echoed here. Proverbs 13 
says the ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor do not hear rebuke. Dubois writes, if we're not careful, wealth can literally hold us hostage. We become hostages to growing it, protecting it, and shielding it from loss. The fact of having wealth does not harm us, but held too closely, our riches become our ransom. Let's pray and ask God to help us avoid this bondage, if now held captive. If now they hold us captive, let's ask God to help set us free. And then the simple prayer is this. Dear God, let me not be held hostage by money or material things. Let me know the freeness of a life lived in you. All around us, we are tempted and distracted by many things which are not the main thing. It's easy for us to run around using spiritual language about how blessed we are and celebrating how much God has given us. But when it comes to the tangible ways we express that commitment, do we, do we back up our language? Some of us do. But, but do all of us? Then, of course, some people read the story of the widow and her two pennies in the offering plate, and think it's, if it's good enough for her, it's good enough for them. Which, of course, misses the point entirely. Mostly, we, we just don't know if we put our actions where our faith really is, or if our actions ref- reflect the faith that we deeply have. We say we believe God will provide, but... But do we really believe that? We may not even believe that enough to trust God with, with our checkbooks. And I think ultimately the challenge is for all of us always to figure out how to have enough faith to give like the widow does. Or maybe we start giving like the widow gave and see how that helps nurture faith for us. See how God works that way. But either way, whether we start with the faith or we start with the gift, we probably have room to grow. And the gospel relentlessly pushes us towards growing in our faith and in our generosity And in our love for one another and our love for God. All the time, no matter what. When we were kids and we did our first chore for a quarter or a nickel or a dime. Or when we got a a quarter during a handshake. Or someone, someone sent us a dollar bill and a birthday card. We were thrilled about that. When we were little, when someone asked us to give something, we were usually overly generous. Unless we really wanted to play with that toy at the moment. But as we age, as we, as we grow up, we get distracted. We, we get like the scribes. We never dreamed as kids to be like 
Warren. <laughs> it's all right. It's sweet, Nora. We never dreamed of growing up and being a Kardashian or Warren Buffett or Richard Branson. Most kids dream of being scientists or firefighters or police officers, doctors or teachers, ways that they can, can give back and to love. And over time, things change. We get preoccupied with life and forget the, the humble power of giving all we have to one another and to God. And we fear that if we give away most, there won't be enough. But God... God wants us to see beyond that. The God, today, the gospel pushes us deeper to see beyond these two coins and to see that they represent one who gave their all. And to, to, to show to us also that if we truly want to experience God's deep love, it will take giving all we have without fear to the God who loves us and who provided it all for us anyway. So this morning... Look into yourself, into your life, into your soul, and consider what's holding you back from, from giving to God all that you need to. And see anew that the woman, she wasn't praised because she gave two cents. She was the hero because she gave everything she had. And will you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for this day that we have. We give you thanks for all the ways that you bless and care for and nurture us. We give you thanks for all the ways that you provide. Ways that we can name and ways that we can't name and that are beyond what we could imagine, but you provide it anyway. Lord, help us to be kind and generous and faithful with all you've given us. And help us to not be afraid to give all that you need from us so that we might receive all that we need from you. This, O oh Lord, is our prayer and we offer it in your great name. Amen.